gorgeous again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike at the we're, end of the year. We're back again, yes, for our last recording of 2019. 2019. So looking forward to 2020. Oh. We are going to talk about a couple of things. First is we both saw Knives Out on Christmas Day. So we'll chat about that for a bit. And we're going to do a bit of a look back on the decade of the, the 2010s. 2010s. The 2010s. So first, Knives Out. You first. I was expecting something more sleuth-like. I uh-huh. was expecting more reveals. Right. I thought you would like it because it was so much like Succession. All oh. of these people who were really... Hungry for the money. Yes, just out there for the money and yeah. really didn't care about this man. Christopher Plummer was the only, oh, yeah. along with the nurse, were the only two human people <laughs> in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very difficult to not do spoilers, so we're going to have to make this short because the whole thing is full of plot. The thing that I liked about it, it wasn't so much a who done it as a how done it mm. and and then a why done it. Mm-hmm. That's what I appreciated. I also really liked the class structure, the struggle between the nurse who they can't seem to remember what country she's from, what oh, South yeah. or Central American country she comes from. They're very condescending. Yes. Yeah. And I liked that that was part of it. I mm-hmm. thought that that was a, mm-hmm. a good chunk of it and that it just showed the haves and the have-nots mm-hmm. and showed that, well, I'm not going to spoil that because that would right. lead me to the end. So right. there you go. I thought it was atrocious. Did I you? really did. Oh, you did? Yep. Okay. I enjoyed seeing it because it has uh, so many star personalities that are fun to look at. And I loved Tony Collette. I couldn't figure out who she was. I was watching her through the whole movie and I was like, who is she? She looks familiar. But I love oh, her character. Oh, you couldn't figure out who she was I as an actress. I couldn't figure out who she was as an actress until the credits ran. Oh, my God. I just recognized her, but I couldn't figure out how I knew her. She looked kind of different from the way I remember her recently. And it's fun to see these actors who have aged and to see what they look like now. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie and, Lee Curtis, yeah. And I loved all the star personalities in it. But as a film, I just thought it was overwritten. And I think it would have been much better if they got these people together and found a nice Agatha Christie book to re-dramatize instead of trying to write something that was Agatha Christie-esque. And I thought they fell really short. I thought the plot was forced and contrived and unnecessary. There was nothing urgent about it. No, it was really, it was a piffle. It was just an excuse to get these stars to come together. And like I said, I love celebrities and it was fun to see them. I so love Tony Collette's performance that I didn't feel cheated by going to see it. Oh, good. And then I came home and I looked it up on Facebook Fandango to see how many tomatoes it got. It got 94%. I know. So my faith in the whole tomato system has gone to shit. You know? We shouldn't put our faith I, in tomatoes. I believed in those tomatoes. I don't follow those tomatoes. I do follow certain reviewers. Yeah. And this is going to sound like such a snotty little humble brag, but I follow Anthony Lane in yeah. The New Yorker. Okay. I follow him very actively. There are critics on Film Week on KPCC that I listen to, and I don't always agree with them. I tend to agree with Anthony Lane. And there are reasons why I would go to see a film. Like this one, I didn't really, I wasn't excited to go and see it, but it was the only one I could think of. That's right. It was passable. I mean, it was was either that or Little Women. That's right. And I just thought Little Women was not going to fly with you, (laughs) and it was not going to fly with my youngest. 
It's true. It's a scant season right now. Yes, for it's, it's slim pickings. I was out glad there. to go. I was great, glad to go with you and the girls, and I had a great time. But I couldn't help thinking it was poorly written. Yeah, and I definitely got that vibe because I was sitting next to you. Was I sighing? A bit, just a bit. There were a couple of things that made me laugh. I remember, and like I said, Tony Collette was so funny. She's she just so nailed great. this certain character that we. Oh my It's God. like we've all known someone like her. Well, the, she was sort of little a facial expressions, cultural character. Yeah, a bit space. And, kind of the California. Yeah, that's right. Like California, nice, nice, but kind of a meanness underneath it. Exactly. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, though, do you know anything about the writers or directors? Are they very big in the industry? Here's the deal with Ryan Johnson, who is the writer-director. He was the director of not this new Star Wars, but the last one. Oh. And I think it was a big hit. And yeah. I think he got to kind of write his own ticket after that. And if you notice, this film, it was done in one home. Right. And a couple of very right. minor locations. So it was probably like, I don't mean this pejoratively, but it was kind of a vanity piece for him. Yes. Just exactly. for a fluffy thing that he could do for exactly. fun. Exactly. Yes. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's fine if you know that's what it is. But I just thought as far as mysteries go, it didn't hold up. It held up simply by the star power of all the actors. That's And that's what I I think the underpinnings of it were yeah. it just without the force of those personalities yeah. especially Jamie Lee Curtis oh, yeah. who I thought was phenomenal it was a tour de force for her but if she had better dialogue it would have been a much better That's she didn't true. have anything that brilliant to say but she was brilliant nonetheless yeah. yes she was and they were so much like the succession characters they're yeah. so after it all that's true although that's they tried true. to behave like they weren't that was the difference they tried to behave as if they weren't after that's the money. right where in succession there's no shame was, about yes. being bloodthirsty for the, there's no for veneer the money but the dialogue in succession is so yeah. much more interesting yeah. Okay, well, you have two different opinions. I thought it was just a ton of fun. It's not a deep thinking film at all. Go just if you want a good time and you want to yeah. have a couple of hours. And I to wonder just too. I didn't think about out. it till you mentioned the the character of the of the uh, nurse from Central America, Ecuador. I think she's from Ecuador, but they keep saying she's from Panama, she's from, Uruguay, uh, yeah, and Brazil. Um, Brazilian nurse. But do you think it was a little bit of a steal from Roma, where the caregiver becomes kind of the central character, or just coincidence? I think it's coincidence. Okay. I don't think it was trying to be that yeah. deep. I mean, I think it was very intriguing about how it looked at her yeah. as opposed to the rest of the family. Right, right. But I don't think it went much deeper than that. Right. Yeah. Well, it was kind of fun to dislike it. I kind of felt comfortably snooty. <laughs> <laughs> so onward to the decade. I just want to say the first thing that happened this decade, the thing of primary importance for me is the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. That, I think, and I believe that that is a direct outgrowth of Donald Trump's election. Because an abuser and a rapist got elected president. Right. And women were out in the streets the right. day after his inauguration. Right. And I just wanted to read a few of the things that happened that are telltale signs of the Me Too movement. On November 3rd of 2017, Kevin Spacey was suspended from House of Cards. November 9th, Louis C.K. lost his production deal with FX. What year is this again? This is 2017. 17, okay. And the Harvey Weinstein piece, I believe, came out in September of 2017. 
I could be wrong about that, but that rings a bell. November 21st, Charlie Rose was fired by CBS and PBS. Oh my God, yeah. November 29th, Minnesota Public Radio severs ties with Garrison Keillor. Garrison Keillor, oh yes. my God, yeah. On the same day, Matt Lauer was Matt fired Lauer. by NBC. Mario Batali was fired by ABC on December 15th. And on January 1st of 2018, Peter Martins retired from the New York City Ballet. Oh, right over accusations of sexual harassment and sexual misconduct. On February 15th, Jeffrey Tambor was fired from Transparent. That's right. September 9th, Leslie Moonves left CBS. Right. And on October 9th, Richard Mayer, who designed the Getty Museum, stepped down from his company wow. over accusations of sexual harassment and misconduct. So all those things happen in rapid succession. Mm -hmm. And I think that it has changed. I mean, with the capture of the one person who was reflective of Donald Trump, Harvey Weinstein, mm -hmm. with, the, with the capture of his behavior and the examination of it, all of these men have fallen, and it now is a worldwide phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Women around the world are speaking up. Right. And it's changed my feelings about my girl's place in the world because they're young women, and they now have the knowledge that no one can get away with this. Right. I mean, people still will get away with it. Right. But they won't really have a, a corporate leg to stand on anymore. Right. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. Yeah. That was amazing. And I think men being harassed by other men can happen either. Mm -hmm. Or women being harassed by other women. Right. I don't know how often that happens, right. but I'm sure it happens Somewhere. occasionally. So what a difference a year and a half makes. That was huge. Yeah, I can't believe all that cavalcade of names who are all very well, some so well respected. I know. I worked with Leslie Moonves. Yeah. And I never saw any of that behavior. Right. I mean, there were rumors about him, but it wasn't mm -hmm. rumors that he was raping women or forcibly right. having oral sex with them. Right. It was that he played around. He was a player. <clears throat> That's probably how he saw it, too. Yes, exactly. I'm sure that the way he saw it was he made a pass at a woman, mm -hmm. tried to have her forcibly have oral sex with him. She refused, fought her way out of it, and he looked at that as it wasn't wasn't a conquest, or she went right. crazy. Yeah, I imagine that's part of the whole abuse syndrome is the discounting the uh, significance of it. Completely. That's built into it. Yes, and yeah. women being hysterical right. and being so emotional right. and having no sense of humor about things right. or having no perspective on things. Right. So that's mm. a big revelation mm. and ongoing. Hmm. Yeah. That is big. I don't know. I, it's quite a decade. Quite a lot has happened. I think the coolest thing was Barack Obama winning a second term in 2012. <laughs> that was one of my high points. I agree. <laughs> that was amazing. And we got Obamacare in 2014. That's true. So that was another remarkable occurrence. Yeah. I mean, the remarkable thing during his presidency. Yeah. That he pulled up. Well, Nancy Pelosi really had right. so much to do with that. I, went, I was reflecting, and I think Pete Buttigieg being a serious contender for president of the U.S. for Democratic nomination, I think that's huge. I'm so yes. happy for, and frankly, a little envious of, the newer generation of gay and lesbian people who get to grow up around this it's no big deal yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. It's just... Yeah. Such night and day difference it's between amazing. the way the world was when we were teenagers. Well, the it's issues huge. with him originally were, will America accept a gay candidate? And now it's, will America accept a mayor as candidate? Right, without the federal governmental experience. Yes, but yeah, it's his about gayness his has not really entered into it. Oh, 
his gayness. I thought you said his anus. And I thought, well, no, I hope not. But today, one of the questions on one of the radio game shows, I think it was, wait, wait, don't tell me, one of those, was who is, and they gave the name of Pete Buttigieg's spouse, Chastin something. Chastin, right. And uh, and I knew it. It's I think Chastin I knew it because Buttigieg. you told me. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. His, his, his maiden name. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it just strikes me so, I just can't hardly believe it, that, that the world has changed. And then we have to say that maybe with a caveat because we thought the world had changed or the country had changed with Obama being elected and then reelected. And then we found out after the fact that the country changed, but a big part of the country didn't change. Yeah. And there was a big backlash. Yes. So it's not like we're in the rosy, wonderful, you know, we're in Oz all of a sudden and everything's bright and sunny, but it's a huge change. Well, there are laws that make it possible for same-sex marriages to happen mm-hmm. and for people to be fired the day after it's discovered that, well, that's that's in the Supreme Court. We don't know how that will come out. But being discovered as someone who is gay is... Is legal to fire you? Yes. Still? Or it's in, some in the Supreme Court. In some okay. states. In some states. Huh. Okay. So we'll see. We'll Isn't see. that funny? Yeah. So it's, it's, you, unless the job is president of the U.S., you might be on thin ice. Well, no wonder he picked this. <laughs> he wanted a sure thing. He wanted job security. He wanted job security. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just great. I have a feeling that because I'm not maybe as well-read as some might be about all that's happening in the world, you know, more obscure and troubled parts of the world. There's probably other things that are very important that I'm clueless on. So, I mean, I don't, it's not so much that Buddha judges like the event of the decade, but to me, it's, it's just significant. It's your event. Yeah, it's significant because of the chance it gives young people to sidestep hopefully, a certain level of self-rejection that was heaped on some of us in the earlier, right. in earlier times. Well, it's like what happened for African-American mm-hmm. youth when they saw... With Obama. With Obama. Yeah. There was someone who looked like them in the White House. That's right. Michelle Obama was the first lady. I mean, it was incredible. But I was yeah. going to go back to the fact that this wouldn't have happened if same-sex marriage hadn't been legalized. It occurs to me, too, that a lot of this, I think, is driven by television. I mean, I think the Cosby Show helped set up Obama. And I think Will and Grace helped set up Buttigieg. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where, that for better or worse, and I think a lot of times it's probably for worse, we get our value system from these commercial television shows. It's definitely the case that Will and Grace was yeah. persuasive right. when it came to people recognizing family members of theirs were gay. Yeah. And people coming out. And people not freaking out. Yes. When someone was gay. Especially that per- the gay person herself or himself. Yes. You know, oh, it's just great. You know, I've never asked you what happened when you came out to your family. Well, I did it from a distance. My formal coming out to my mom was I wrote a letter from New York to oh, her. okay. And I wrote a very heartfelt letter, and she wrote me back a very kind and supportive statement. Was and she surprised? She seemed a little surprised. Okay. And... Later, I remember on a visit home, she made some comment about having been at first disappointed to hear I was gay. And I got really upset by that. But now I look back and I see it. I mean, we're all products of the time in which we were raised. So we we carry those values. And 
you know, I think probably she had high hopes for me as someone who would provide her with grandchildren. Of course, see, back then, the idea of being gay and having kids wasn't even a possibility. Yeah. That's changed, too. Yeah, yeah. So it now, sure nowadays, you could have grandchildren. I mean, yes. People do. So it's not even an issue anymore. But I think that was an issue for her. But I did it from a distance. My sister was living in New York, and I told her up face-to-face. And she was awesome. She goes, oh, I'm so relieved. She said, I've seen you hanging out with all these cute guys, and I just thought it would be such a waste if you were straight. <laughs> Good old so Heidi. She came from the ballet world, so she was she was way ahead of me. Oh, that's you know, so great. That. Yeah, it was cute. It was fun. It was fun. the hardest part for me coming out was coming out to me. Coming out to my relatives was not nearly as hard as coming out to myself. Really? Yeah, because I really thought my life was ruined. You know, I just thought was that because of your religious training? Religious, but also cultural. It was just in the culture that that was a oh. horrible thing to be. Okay. And part of my upbringing, I had to be perfect. That was part of my. Oh, right. Survival technique, you know, survival strategy was to be the good boy who was yes. perfect. And I was going to save the family by shining. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that kind of put an end to that. So for me, coming out to me was the hardest part. Huh. You know? I hadn't realized And it's ongoing. That. I mean, it's something you almost have to do every day. Really? Yes and no. I mean, it's over. I've done it. But I think the residue of that deep kind of self-rejection can come back cyclically in a way. So in that sense, I think survivors of any kind of treatment of that kind have to kind of carry on the battle Uh day to day uh on a certain level. I had Uh, an interesting conversation with a friend of mine who told me that her youngest son, who is gay, made a comment one time after not revealing this to anyone in his family he said, my older brother didn't have to come out as straight. Right. So why do I have to come out as gay? Yeah. And I really, that kind of blew my mind mm-hmm. and made me appreciate <clears throat> that I still have my own set of preconceived notions about how things are supposed to go. Right. And I am learning to let go of those. Yeah. Well, that's day. another interesting part about the decade is the, the changes in our knowledge of and awareness of and tolerance of uh, tolerance sounds condescending but our acceptance greater ease with the whole idea around gender identification yeah that's changed in a huge way well i remember i was i was in a 12-step group with someone whose child was transgender now this was probably 10 years ago and they were on this american life because these two girls had found each other. Two transgender girls had found each other. One was in the Midwest and the other was here in Los Angeles. And they were able to talk on the phone. Their families met. That was a big, big deal. Now, transgender people are part of the mainstream Mm -hmm. population. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so incredible about it. It was like, first it was Lorraine Cox, then it was Jeffrey Tambor Mm -hmm. on Transparent. And then suddenly it was, uh, I don't know, I just was not aware of how many transgender people there are, along with people who don't identify with either gender. Right. So it's a whole new world out there. Yeah, that's another thing where it's the normalizing of gender differences has to be so healing for people growing up and discovering that they don't fit into those categories the way the world wants them to. And the hardest part of that is that you you take on your culture's prejudices. So before you know it, before you even know what's happening with you, I was taught to hate gay people before I 
Oh, really? Before I knew I was gay, it was everywhere. Yeah. And just I was taught to see gay people as objects of ridicule. That was in the entertainment culture, too. There would be jokes, you know, about oh, sure. effeminate men and that sort of thing. Yeah. The other movement I just wanted to mention, the other thing out of this decade that also comes out of having a racist in the White House is the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, right. And what that has brought to light as far as the incarceration and, and the socialization and, and the 1619 movement and all mm-hmm. of the rest of it having to do with what the legacy of slavery is yeah, and how enslaved people have suffered from that and it's been generational and it is not done. No. Not done. And the entire culture has suffered. White culture, all Americans have suffered from that legacy. I don't mean we've been victimized by it in the way that black people have been, but I mean the whole culture suffers when one segment is de- dehumanized. Yes. Yeah. Dehumanized yeah. is a better way of saying yeah. it. So that's something that's made me feel inspired even mm-hmm. In the face of all of these shooting deaths Mm -hmm. of young black men. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I should have the list. I don't. Mm. But... But, you know, you can say Trayvon Martin and Eric Garner. At least now there is realization and hope that we will somehow be able to rectify all of the wrongs that have been done Mm -hmm. to one part of our population. Yeah, at least it's a conversation. It's a big deal. Yes. It's not the end. It's not enough, but it's a start. Well, you think about the civil rights movement was one conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of people, white people, thought that that was the end of that conversation. And it really was just the beginning. Beginning. Right. And oh, there's absolutely. a reckoning. Yeah, just how the remnants of slavery aren't locked away in the past in some kind of little lockbox. No. They're still reverberating. There's something called a plantation wedding that was this popular yes. thing that couples wanted as the destination for their wedding ceremony. Yikes. And that is now being looked at askance because yeah. it reverberates it's a too much too. Yes, yeah. really. I mean, oh, honestly. But that's my summation of the decade, and I think that there are good things that are coming out of it. Yeah. I was reading this article earlier today. There's been great advances in medicine. There's been apparently a cure or nearly a cure for cystic fibrosis, and there's been a vaccine that is nearly done, I think, to help against Ebola and just amazing things happen on the medical front. And child mortality, Mm -hmm. infant mortality has decreased Mm -hmm. dramatically. You know, there are pockets that are in dire straits like Yemen is in terrible, terrible crisis. But overall, Nicholas Kristof has said that populations are being lifted out of poverty Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. That's amazing. It is amazing. And that adult literacy is on the rise in a spectacular way. Yeah. In the U.S.? No, not in the U.S. Yes, it's declining, I'm sure. (laughs) In the U.S., it's just barely treading water. But that's Mm. a story for another day. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for us, Boomers. So thanks for listening, and we will be talking at you very soon. 2020, it's the year for clear vision. 2020. Oh, did you just make that up? Well, the other day, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Clear vision. Uh-huh. I'm going to put that on a pillow. We're going to have clear vision <laughs> and smoke it. <laughs> oh. Okay. Bye, bye, boomers. Bye, bye. bye.